Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Aran. We're starting a new piece today, which is called Divrei Tzachos Shaloi. These are sort of jokes, sarcastic remarks, things which Rabbi Nezal said that were witty. The first item there, which, based on the order that we're following, is 426, Tov Vov. Rabbi Nezal said there's a pasuk, Bakes Sholoim Virodfehu. Seek peace and pursue it, chase after it. So Rabbi Nezal commented, so the, the Gemara says, Bakes Sholoim Bimkoimcha. Seek peace in your own place, in your own home, close by to you. Virodfehu and pursue it, Mimokemacher, even in a different, different places. Rabbi Nezal said, that there are times when a person has to seek peace even with those who are far from Hashem, those who are soine Hashem. Hashem dislikes them because they have, they, they, they've done many bad, bad things. And, and a tzaddik is trying to, to turn them around. And because of this, Virodfehu, this tzaddik gets persecuted. Virodfehu, he has redifos people chasing him, persecute him, because it was known. We had this, we just yesterday read Parshas Miketz in Eretz Yisroel. Today is Sunday, the 5th of Teves, the 5th of Teves, Tovshin Pei Yesterday was the day after Zois Hanukkah. Zois Hanukkah was on Friday, and because it's a leap year, we read Parshas Miketz on Shabbos. And it speaks about the, the story of Yosef Hatzadik and his brothers, about, about the, the, how the story continues. The story begins in Parshas Vayeshev, where the Torah tells us that Yosef Hatzadik pursued the same mission that Avram Avinu, Yitzhak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu pursued, which is bringing people close to Hashem. The Pesach says, Eile toldois Yaakov, Yosef. These are the children of Yaakov, Yosef. That he was in some ways a carbon copy of Yaakov Avinu in this effort. And the Pesach says, Vehu na'ar es b'nei vilho b'nei zilpo. He associated with, he befriended the children of Bila and Zilpa. Bila and Zilpa were the maidservants. They, they were the actual wives, the, the, the first-class wives, Rochel and Leah, and there were Bila and Zilpah who were maidservants who were given by Lavan. Bila was given to Rochel, Zilpah was given to Leah to assist them, and they also became actual wives of Yaakov Avinu. But the children that were produced from the Shvachos were considered not, not on the same level as the children that were children of Rochel and Leah. And it's brought that the other brothers didn't befriend them, Yosef HaTzadik is the one who went down to them and befriended them. And Rav Nosan Zalom brings Psukim to show that the term Bilha and Zilpa, that we find the term Balohoi Soisi and Zilofois that are mentioned throughout Tanakh, which refer to people who are far from Hashem, people who are going through difficulties and struggles. And Rav Nosan Zal says that Yosef HaTzadik was the tzadik who was involved in outreach, reaching out to those kind of people. And it's because of that reason 
that he went through this persecution, even from his own brothers, despite the fact that they themselves were tzaddikim, and yet a tzaddik who's involved in this type of thing ends up experiencing these redifois. So this is where Rabbeinus made a, 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 a little bit of a sarcastic remark on this passage, that bake sholoim, those tzaddikim who are seeking to make peace between Hashem and those people who are soine Hashem, those people who dislike Hashem, they're very far from Hashem, virodfehu, that those people experience redifois from, from other places. The next item, Tov Chav Zayin 427, Rav Nosan says, I heard it told over in the name of Rav that Rav said that he, he had a dream, and in the dream he saw a comment that the Gemara makes in Shabbos, where the Gemara says, Zoinois mefarchesois zuezu tamidichachomim loikolshkein. The Gemara bases this on a pasuk there that women, women of ill repute, women who are sinful women, they help each other sometimes. They put perfume on each other. They help each other in that way. So if they help each other, Tamidichachamim should certainly help each other. And yet the Gemara seems to imply we find that that's not always the case, unfortunately. So Rabbein commented, he, in, in the dream, he saw this item that, that the, the Gemara is asking, If these type of women even help each other and, and respect each other, shouldn't? Why not? And the answer is, Kolshkein. You know, in, in the basic translation of the Gemara, Loi Kolshkein is an expression that goes together. Loi Kolshkein in Hebrew, those three words together mean, of course, of course. But Rabbein in in the dream saw this, that there's a comma between them. These type of women, they do honor each other, they do help each other, and Talmidei Chachamim don't. Why not? What's preventing Talmidei Chachamim from being helpful to each other? The answer is Kolshkein. What is Kolshkein? There's another Gemara that says about the Torah, that that the Torah has a right side and a left side. And the Gemara tells us that on the right side of the Torah is long life. On the left side of the Torah is wealth and honor. So the Gemara asks, but one minute, if the right side is, the right side is usually more special, more holy, if the right side has long life, then of course it should have wealth and honor. The Gemara says there that if that oish, so the Gemara answers, you're right, that we're telling you oishev, that the right side has oirach yomim, and kolshkein, of course, it includes wealth. So the term kolshkein is used in the Gemara there to refer to, even though literally kolshkein means of course, but the of course over there is going on of course wealth, of course, wealth is included on the right side of the Torah. 
So Rabbein said in our context that again, these women help each other and honor each other. Don't. Why not? Money. That's why not. Because when there's money involved, <coughs> unfortunately, sometimes people are looking to protect their own interests and not necessarily willing to share information or to help each other, that kind of thing. A third interpretation of this, Rabbi Nezal said, again, on this Gemara, and that, that it's for this, the, the reason why Talmidi Chachamim don't, don't loy and Kolshkein don't have money, don't have money. The reason is because Zoynois Mefarchesois, because of the fact that there is Pegam Habris, which is this term Zoynois Mefarchesois, and we know that Talmidi Chachamim are called Royim, shepherds. And there's a Pasuk, and, and when there's a Pasuk, Veroye Zoynois, that when there's a shepherd and there are also zoinois, there's also pigama bris, it causes a loss of wealth. So this was a third interpretation of the wording in the Gemara here. Again, that the Gemara says that zoinois mefarchesois zuezu talmidichachamim loi kolshkein that because of the fact that there is this issue of zoinois, Talmidichachamim don't have, loy kolshkein, don't have wealth. Because of the fact that, again, Talmidichachamim are called shepherds, and there's an, another positive that says, veroye zoinois ya'abeitoim, that when there's a roya, a shepherd, and there are zoinois, ya'abeitoim, this causes a loss of money, a loss of wealth to the Talmidichachamim. Another interpretation that when when will Talmidi Chachamim help each other? The answer is loy kolshkein. When they don't have an issue with money, when they don't have taivas momain at all, when they don't have any excessive or wrong type of desire for money, then there'll be cooperation. They'll be able to help each other a hundred percent. The next item, we have two more items, and then we'll take questions. The next item, Rabbi Nezal commented, <coughs> we know that Russia and Poland, Eastern Europe, during Rabbi Nezal's time, during throughout the, the years, the past thousand years or so, went through many changes. That it, There were certain cities <coughs> and major areas that at one point were part of Poland, another point they were taken over by Russia, other point, they were taken over by other countries. So <clears throat> at the time that the, the Tsar of Russia conquered the part, the, the place where Rabbeinazal was, the Ukraine, that area in Ukraine, Rabbeinazal said that money became currency, became like sig. 
it became like chaff, like crumbs, like when you're, when you're refining gold and metals like that, the dust that comes off in the, in the, in the process is called sig. Rabbein Azal said that from the time that the, the Tsar of Russia took over the country, the money and, and became like sig. And the drink became punch. And he quote, punch is a mixture where you take a, a alcohol and honey and mix it with water. So it's not an actual drink, an, an actual alcoholic drink. It's a much lighter thing. In other words, it's watered down. The expression we use is watered down. And Rabbi Nassau quoted a Pasuk in Yeshaya Novi where the Pasuk says, Kaspech hoyolesigim, sovech mohul bamoyim. That your, your money became like sigim and your drink, your, your, your drink, your, your precious drink, your wine and your alcohol, became watered down, mohul bamoyim, become watered down with water, implying that again, as in, in order for them to, to take more, take money away from the people, they water down the drinks and, and, and the, the currency, the old currency was considered to be worthless, they printed new currency, and now the ones who are in charge, they're the ones who have all the wealth. The next item, the last item in this piece, <coughs> Tov Chav 429, Rav Nosenzal writes that there was a chazan in their city, in the city of Breslov, who wanted to travel to the city of Tomoshbil for Shabashira. We know Shabashira, when, they, when we say Oz Yoshir, some of the large shuls like to have a chazan for that Shabbos to perform, that the people should enjoy a special cantorial Shabbos. So the Chazan of Breslov wanted to travel to Tomashbil for Shabashira, which was winter time in, in, in Russia, and he didn't arrive there. He didn't make it on time. He ended up spending Shabbos in a small village nearby. And because Shabashira comes out in Parshas Bishalach, and Bishalach begins with the words, Vayhi Bishalach Paroy Esaom, when Paroy sent the Jews out of Egypt, Hashem did not allow the Jews to go via the land of the Palishtim. The word Palishtim, if you take a look at the letters, is the same letters as the word Tomoshbil. So Rabbein Ezzel said, look at this, in the Torah we see that the Chazan, Shabashira, Parashat B'Shalach, the Chazan, Hashem didn't allow him to go to Tomoshbil, to be in Tomoshbil for Shabbos. We see again by Tamid Chachamim, by Tzadikim, they're able to see everything in the Torah. Everything. There's a, a story that I heard once from Rabbi Yechaim Reisen, Zechon of Rocha, where he said that there was a person, a very wealthy person, who had a lot of cattle. And he sent a major shipment of cattle from one city to the other. And in those days, one of the ways that they did it was on a barge, a large, a gigantic raft that went along the river, and the cattle was on this raft, and it would travel down the river to go from one place to the other. And it, it was valued a, a large sum of money, and somehow he was trying to find out if they arrived or didn't, and he wasn't getting any, any information, and he was very worried, very worried about it. And he didn't know what to do. Who should he speak to? In those days, there's no, there's no telegraphs, there's no faxes, there's no cell phones. What do you do? So somebody told him, go to the Baal Shem Tov. He said, the Baal Shem Tov is going to tell me where my oxen are, you know. 
he, he can help with anything, anything. So he goes into the Baal Shem Tov, and he's, he's like embarrassed. He's one, he does, he's, he's afraid he's going to get yelled at or something fast and such a silly thing to a rabbi, a tzaddik. And he says, I have this problem that I have this large shipment of oxen that's worth tens of thousands of, you know, of, of dollars and shipped it. And I, I, I don't know if it arrived. And I, how can I get, you know, can you, can you possibly give me any information? He says, sure. He says, bring me, bring me a safer. I believe it was the Zohar Kodesh. He says, bring me the Zohar Kodesh. And he brings it to him. And the Balshemtov starts learning and learning, learning for a few minutes. And he says, your oxen are okay. They did arrive at the place. They, they, people weren't able to tell you because of this and this reason. This wealthy person is looking at this and he says, Rebbe, you mean to say my oxen are in the Zohar Kodesh? He says to him, of course. The, the Gemara says, that Hashem looked into the Torah and created the world with it. The world is the blueprint of the entire, the Torah is the blueprint of the entire world. So everything is inside the Torah. You just have to know how to look and where to look. Of course, so that, 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 this is the answer to your question. We see Rabbi Nezal heard an episode and right away understood this, the Torah, what does the Torah say about this? Any questions? Now we go into a new section in Chaim Aran, which is entitled Sheloi Lehis Akesh Al Shum Dovar Ve'ein Lidchoik Es Hashor. Not to be stubborn regarding anything, not to insist that something has to be exactly this and this way, exactly the way I want it or when I want it, and not to try to force something before the right time. This is an incredible, important piece, and Rav Nassazal has here a lot of critical advice that he heard from Rav Nassazal on this topic. He writes that Rav Nassazal, in general would not, when he would give advice to a person, he would never say, this is what you have to do. This is what you must do. But rather, he would offer advice. He would say, I, my, my opinion, I, I believe this is, this, is the better, this, is what you, this is the better thing to do. If you want. If you want. And he would present it in such a way that it was perfectly clear that he wouldn't be insulted anyway if the person did differently, and he wasn't saying it has to be this way, this way. You want to follow my advice? You want to do it this way? Good, if not, not. Even though, even though Rabbi Nezal really wanted the person to do the right thing, he wanted the person to do what he was telling him to do, but still, despite that, he would never push, he would never insist that this, it has to be this way, you have to do this. But rather, if, if you do it this way, good, if not, not. And Rabbi Nezal said that I have several reasons for this. There are several reasons why I don't say things forcefully when it comes to giving advice to people. Rabbi Nezal added an additional very important point that all the good in this world, in this physical, materialistic world, is never perfect. Nothing is perfect. A person buys a house, 
wow, this was such a metzir, this is such a good house. It's, so, I, it's in the best location and I got it for a good price, everything, everything. Nothing in this world is perfect. And therefore, there'll always be something, some imperfection, or somebody receives something that's very good, there'll also be something that's not so good that goes along with it. Rabbi Nezal said it's impossible that any toiv of Olam Hazer, of the materialistic world, should be, comp- should be perfect, perfectly good. And therefore, this is one of the reasons why he doesn't want to insist telling a person, you must, this is the house you should buy, this is what you should, that, that kind of thing. Because very possible that at some point in time, the person will, will experience something, even though it was the good thing, it was really the right thing and the best thing, <coughs> but the person will experience something negative related to it. And the person will complain, why did you tell me to do this? Why did you tell me to do this? This and this, this, and this problem I, I resulted from it, that kind of thing. And therefore, Rabbi Nezal said again, he never insists that it should be this, you know, this and this way. And even regarding his mishores, even regarding the person who served him, Rabbi Nezal would never push him to say, I want you to do this immediately, do this right now, bring me this right now. Or do this right now. Also, a certain delicateness in how we went about that. And Rav Nosenzal writes, before Rav went into this discussion, he, pre- he preceded it by saying that I feel very strongly about all of my inyanim, very positive, very confident. That because every, everything that I think about, everything that I say, usually has multiple reasons. There isn't just one reason why I'll tell a person to do something. There's a number of reasons. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal said, and, and on this point also, I'm very, very, I feel very strongly about the fact that I don't tell a person, you must do this, or you must do it this way. And Rabbi Nezal said, I have several reasons for this. And and again, and in addition, I know that all the good in this world has some not so good in it. And therefore, when the personal experience is not good, they're going to have complaints. So therefore, I want to be careful even when I offer advice and I know it's the right thing, I offer it in in a gentle way. Interesting to note, that there are people that say that Rabbi Nezal never gave advice. Rabbi Nezal didn't, never told a person what to do. And I believe that that's a misquote. They're misquoting this paragraph in Chaim Aran. It doesn't say he never gave advice. It says he never gave advice in a way that he was insistent, forcefully, telling a person, this is the, o- this is the only way. You must do this. That he didn't do. But of course, of course, he did give advice. He definitely did give advice. Any questions? What about the kids? I mean, it's when they need to pick up whatever they play, they need to go into the shower. If you're not going to insist, they're going to take all their time, there's no time. Good question. What about children? When it comes to children, sometimes when a parent asks a child to do something, Sometimes, unless you're very forceful and very, they, they'll ignore it or that, you know, they, they, it won't get done or it'll take time. 
Number one, we have something coming shortly on the topic of children. That's going to be one of the paragraphs coming up. When we have that, we'll address this also. This is a very important point. Interesting that there's a Sefer that came out recently in Breslov that was organized by a Breslover here in Yerushalayim, a young man, <clears throat> an incredible Sefer, three, four hundred pages, where he collected all the advice from Rabbeinazal, Rabnosanzal, and all of their students up until some of the rabbis of today. Advice regarding chinuch of children, educating children. It's a beautiful saver that came out that's on, on sale in stores. I saw it and Hashem helped that we had a, a share in helping get it published. And, and a tremendous collection of all the places in Rabbeinazal, Rav Nosanzal's forum, things from Rav Rosenfeld, Rav Michal, Rav Levi Yitzchak, things that they heard that they said about this topic. Let's continue and we'll come to it. Revnussen? Question, yes. Uh, could you, could, yes, could you make, um, explain the distinction a little more between halakha, Jewish law, and advice? When, when somebody approaches you and they say things that seem to contradict halakha, or that do, and one wants to be helpful. Thank sure. you. The, the answer is that halakha the term halacha usually is used to refer to things that are clearly documented in the Torah, things that were required to do, things that were forbidden to do. That's usually the term that, that how the term halacha is being used. Although we find in Rabbein Azal Sforim and in other Sforim Sifrei Hasidus, the word halacha means path, the path that a person takes. And, some, and the, the whole Torah is really called a derech, derocheho darchenoyam. The path of the Torah is a path of sweetness. So sometimes, in fact, Rabbein Ezzel quotes a pasuk. There's a pasuk by, in Parshas Yisra, I believe, where it says, v'chol ho'om asher baraglecha, and the entire nation which is at your feet. Yisra referring to the Jewish people who are at the feet of Moshe Rabbeinu, and Rashi quotes the Gemara, which says, meaning they follow your advice, they follow your direction, the direction, the feet are what take a person in the direction that they're going in. So sometimes the word halacha will be used in, in that context. We know the 613 mitzvahs, the Zohar Kodesh refers to them as 613 pieces of advice. Taryag iten doiraisa. However, on a technical level, halacha is do and allowed to, obligated to, permitted to, and forbidden to do. The term advice, the way we're using it here, is used more not in the realm of things that you're required to do or forbidden to do, but rather a person is seeking advice. What's the best way to approach this thing? What's the best, what's the best learning program for me? How, what's the best way that I can acquire this, this type of Torah knowledge? Or what's the, what's the best place for me to live? What, you know, all questions like that, which don't necessarily directly relate to a halacha. Thank you. Sure. Anyone else? The name of the Chinuch Sefer, just a moment.
it. I apologize, I, I don't have the, the safer on, on Chinuch in front of me. And Yitz Hashem will try in the next year to have the name available, but it's definitely available in the Breslau bookstore. It's in Hebrew right now, and it's the only safer of its type, you know, that's come out within the past few months, Baruch Hashem. Okay. The next paragraph, Toflamet Aleph, 431. Rabbein Azal said, a person who wants to sleep and can't fall asleep, <clears throat> the advice that we give for this is not to try to force it. Because the more a person is going to try to force themselves to fall asleep, the more they're not going to fall asleep. <clears throat> and again, Rabbein Azal said that this applies to most things that a person should not try to force something too much. We know Rabbein Azal spoke about this regarding a person relieving themselves. When a person feels that they have to use the bathroom, and there are times that people feel that, that they're almost ready but not, and they try to force, push, and Rabbein Azal warned that that's dangerous to a person, that a person shouldn't do that. If a person feels the need to go, they go. If they try and it, it, it's not happening, to leave, to wait, to wait till it does. The, the forcing the issue is, is dangerous to a person's health. And Rabbi Nezal said, usually when a person tries to force something, the opposite, the opposite reaction happens. It becomes more difficult for the thing to happen. And even regarding Avodah Sashem, even regarding learning Torah, regarding tefillah, a person sometimes has to be careful not to try to force something. Even though we know when it comes to serving Hashem, a person is supposed to have zrizus, a person is supposed to, to go, the, the Shulchan Aruch begins, get up early in the morning, get up like a lion, run like a deer, <clears throat> fly like an eagle, to, 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 to want to purify oneself and to want to be zeichet, to achieve a high level of closeness to Hashem, quickly, and, and a person is not allowed to postpone things, to delay things. I'm going to start learning tomorrow. I'll start going to sh- tomorrow. Not tomorrow, today. Today. Everything to try to start today, because we know that the world doesn't stop for a moment. Every second time is going by, and, and today, what a, what a person can do now is if they do it tomorrow, it's not the same. It's not the same as now. They're losing out on the opportunity of having accomplished this within the present. So therefore, whatever a person can do immediately uh, when it comes to serving Hashem, any kind of mitzvah, do not push it off. Try to do it right away. Not even a minute. Because a person doesn't know, if you don't do it now, what obstacles are going to come up later that are going to prevent you from doing it? There are many, many cases where a person thought of doing something and they didn't do it right away and then it didn't get done. What? You know, I was thinking of doing it, but I, I yeah, but you didn't do it right away, so it didn't happen. That's, that's a, a very important rule. So on one hand, that's true, but Rabbi Nezal said, but also, if a person sees that they're trying to do something and they can't do it right now, sometimes the person has to wait, to wait, not get discouraged at all, and not to let this be mevalvalim, not to let it make the person nervous or upset in any way, and wait till the right time comes. 
And Rav Nassar writes, it's impossible to, ex- to express everything that I would want to say regarding this, meaning that this is a very important rule that's going to come up many times in a person's life, different situations, and a person needs to know sometimes. We know the Gemara says, for example, that when someone is angry at you, you did something or you said something that brought out major anger from a person, and you realize it, and you want to say, I want to say, I'm sorry, I, I want to fix it right now. I don't want the person to stay angry for, for a few hours. Let me go correct. The Gemara warns that sometimes you, you have to wait. If you see that the person is really angry, if you try to apologize at that time, it's like putting oil on a fire. You, you're not going to believe it. What did I do? I said, I'm sorry. You said, I'm sorry. You didn't wait. You didn't wait till the fire went down. The I'm sorry goes against you. It makes things worse. That shows that you don't mean it. If you're saying, I'm sorry right now, without thinking about what you did, without realizing it, it's nothing. It's baloney. I'm sorry is worthless. This is, this is one of the examples where a person needs to know that the, the, the Gemara says, that when a person wants to become pure, Hashem says, wait, meaning that sometimes you're going to really want to do something and you're going to put in the proper effort and you're going to see it's not going. The answer is, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Wait a little bit and, and you'll see the right time will come. You'll be able to do the thing. And Rav Nosanzal writes that regarding this, Rav was an incredible chiddish. It was amazing to see Rav in action in this regard to this topic. Because on one hand, Rav was the quickest. He was a Zoriz that you never saw anybody like him in this respect. Rav said that in the morning in Shul, while other people were putting on their tefillin, people who were coming in a little bit tired, he covered five pages of Shulchan Aruch. There was a, a level of, of gunning, really, really running quickly when it was possible. And whatever a person has to do, even, even in Gashmias, anything a person needs to get done, even if it's not a mitzvah at all, they have to go to a certain office to, to pay a bill or to pick up something, something came in the mail to go pick, whatever it is, Rabbi Nezal would do it with incredible zrizas. It was always, get, get, get it done immediately. And especially when it came to Avodah Hashem, when it came to any mitzvah at all, Rabbi Nezal was incredibly quick. And yet, despite that, there was an incredible calmness about him. Never nervous, never upset in, in any way, never... Pr- you, you, you never saw him under pressure. You never saw that he was experiencing any kind of pressure when he saw that something, he couldn't do something right now. He'd be calm about it. So Rav Nassar writes, but, uh, calm, a person needs to yearn. A person can yearn, always. Yearning that I want to get closer to Hashem. I want to learn another page. I want to do more. I want to, whatever it is, <clears throat> However, and, and even if I'm not able to do it right now, not to give up in any way, and the moment that Hashem will help the person, 
the person will be and the person is able to grab to do a mitzvah, to learn a page of Torah, to give tzedakah, to go help another person, whatever it is, they should do it immediately with tremendous zrizas, tremendous speed. And Rav Nassim adds, It's impossible to express this, what we saw in Rav Nassim, this combination of being super quick and yet never looking rushed. <clears throat> An intelligent person who really is seeking the truth, will be able to understand from what we've described here, will be able to understand advice to apply in being successful in serving Hashem. Uh, it's, it's interesting that this brings to mind, I, I had the privilege of living in the same neighborhood as Rav Moshe Burstein, Zechon Avrocha, till he passed away at the age of 98. And there was a period of time that we went to the mikveh at the same time, a mikveh that was about four blocks away from the shul that he davened in, the Satmar Mikveh in, in the neighborhood that, that, that I'm living in now in Gushmonim. And we'd meet in the mikveh. <clears throat> I'm in my 40s or 50s, and he's in his 80s or 90s. And he'd be walking in, and I'd look at him. I'm 10 times as fast as he is. You know, I can move 10 times as quickly. One minute he's undressed, he's in the mikveh, and he's walking out of the mikveh, and, and I'm still getting dressed. And I'm looking, how did this happen? And I, and I didn't see him chugging, I didn't see him running in the mikveh, and I didn't see him making any fast motions getting dressed. I watched. Somehow there was a zrizus. There was, when something had to get done, there was a, 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 the ability to do exactly what needed to get done without any iota of distraction, and again, not looking rushed at all. You didn't see any heaving and breathing or anything. And, and you saw that somehow he was faster, he was quicker. Now, this next paragraph is where Abenazal addresses the topic of children, one aspect of the topic of children. Rabbeinazal said this, that you have teachers, rabbis, teachers that are teaching small children, and they put pressure on, on the kids. <clears throat> and they, do it again, do it, you're not doing it right, do it again, say it, say, say it again, say it again, say it again, that kind of thing. Rabbeinazal said <clears throat> that by doing that sometimes, that makes it that the child should not know what you're trying to teach them. But rather, a person has to be a very, very talented to have the ability to teach a small child slowly, carefully, without terrorizing them, without scaring them, without making them feel tremendous pressure, without feeling any pressure at all. And that'll make it easier for the child to be able to grasp, to be able to understand what you're trying to teach them. Because he said that sometimes when, when a rebbe or a teacher says, it's a child, remember what I said, remember, remember, to remember. They say, remember, remember. What happens is, if he would have just gone over the material another time, slowly, gently, the child definitely would have understood it very well and remembered it. But, but by going over it too many times, and saying too many times, remember, remember, sometimes the child remembers. He asks the child, what does this mean? And he says, it means remember. That's what it means. 
because because the the child starts thinking that that's that's the taich. They they get from the pressure that they, they get that 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 confusion. And Rav Nosanzal says again, can't really explain this more in writing. People that know, people that have experience, know that this is a hundred percent true. And this is something that Rebbe, rabbis and teachers need to know very well and be able to apply it to other things also. Because this is a very important rule not to force anything, not to force anything, not to, to try to do anything with pressure. Rather, gradually, slowly, that's the right way. And now Rabbi Nassim says there was, a, there was an actual story with Rabbi Nizal, that there was a person, <coughs> a father, who was coming to Rabbeinazal with his child, and they were coming for Yantif, and the father wanted to teach the child that when the Rebbe or somebody will give you a little bit of wine to drink, say, Savri Moronon Vrabonon. Listen, rabbis, you know, before you make the bracha. We, we, we know in Kiddush Friday night, many people have the custom of saying, Savri Moronon Vrabonon Vraboisai. The Shulchan Aruch says that this is recommended. <clears throat> So the father kept saying it over and over again to the child. Remember, remember when you t- to say Savri. When the child came to Rabbi Nizal and he started saying Savri and he couldn't think of the next world, words. And Rabbi Nizal said to the father, I said, I'm sure that you reviewed this with him many times. <clears throat> and you put a lot of pressure on him that he should remember. He should remember to say Savri. <clears throat> and, and that's why he can't say it now. If you wouldn't have gone over it so many times, <clears throat> he definitely would have been able to say it correctly, no problem. And that's when Rabbi Nassau went into this sicha about teaching kids to be careful to do it not with pressure and not, not, <coughs> not forcing it down their throat. Say it again, say it, that, that, that kind of thing. The next paragraph is a little bit related to this also. <clears throat> paragraph Toflam at Gimel 433 regarding the fact that Rabbi Nezal suffered from tuberculosis the last three years of his life, where he would cough, he would cough phlegm, thick phlegm, the, the, the lungs, tuberculosis is a, a disease of the lungs where there's a lot of thick phlegm. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal was once trying to bring up the phlegm, and he couldn't do it. And, and he, didn't, he didn't force it. He didn't keep trying, pushing, pushing. And then... A few moments later, the phlegm came up by itself. And Rabbi Nassar says, I was standing at the time, and Rabbi Nassar said to me that even from this, you can see an example that a person shouldn't force anything. When it comes to anything, don't force it. Rabbi Nassar said, you saw that in the beginning, I tried to get this phlegm up, and I couldn't. And so what did I do? I left it alone. I didn't force myself. I didn't push it. And then it came up by itself. And Rav Nassar says, Rav Nassar hinted to me through all the motions that he made that the same thing is true regarding everything in life. That a person has to be careful not to insist that it has to be this way, this is the way it has to be, and this has to get done right now, this and this way. Even though even though the person is dealing with something holy. They want to build a shul. They want to do something very, very important of Kedusha. But rather, if the person sees that they're able to do some, take some kind of action immediately now, of course, do it. Do it. Don't postpone if it can be done now. 
But if you see, but if you see for whatever reason that you can't do it now, don't get nervous, don't get upset, but rather <coughs> to be quiet, to wait and hope for Hashem's Yeshua and to look to Hashem, pleading with Hashem, Hashem, help me be to achieve this item. And then, in most cases, Hashem will help the person to be able to accomplish the thing easily. And Rabbi Nassim says there's a lot, a lot, Rabbi Nassim spoke a lot about this topic and can't, can't put everything into writing. The next paragraph, Tof Lamedalet, Rabbi Nassim says, when I was writing the Sefer Hamidois, in front of Rabbi Nezal, remember in those days they didn't have copying machines, they didn't have <coughs> print, printing the way we have it today, publishing. So Rabbi Nezal was sitting, Rabbi Nezal was reading from his writings, and Rabbi Nezal was writing it over to prepare it to be published. And Rabbi Nezal says it took a long time. The first time that we sat together doing this, I was only able to write one boygen, which means, in English, they say one folio. Could be, it means one set of pages, 15 pages, something like that. And afterwards, Rav Nassim says, there wasn't an opportunity, the opportunity did not present itself to write again. And there were three or four months that went by. And then there was another time, an opportunity, and again, I wrote a little bit. And then... Two years went by that we weren't able to continue that project. And then once, right before Hanukkah, Rav Nassim says, I ended up staying in Breslov, where Rav Nassim was living at the time, for three weeks. Rav Nassim spent three weeks with Rav Nassim, and that's when I wrote the entire, we, we completed the whole Sefer Amidus, which is sometimes called the Sefer Aleph Beis. And Rav Nassim says, at that time, every single day I sat and wrote for several hours until we completed the whole Sefer. And Rav Nassim says, it was very difficult for Rav Nassim. I saw that this was a strain for him to sit for hours going over, you know, reciting. T- and, and However, out of Rav incredible love for the Jewish people, and he knew that this would be something important to give over to Klal Yisrael, Rav was moiser nefesh, he, he, he did whatever it took, even, if, even though it was difficult, in order that this should be a benefit to Klal Yisrael. Rav writes that one time I was writing just about an entire day, for an entire day, and then towards evening, Rav spoke up and said, come, let's Let's make a cheshben. Let's analyze what did we do today. And he said, Baruch Hashem, we davened, and we learned a little bit, and then we wrote. And even the writing that we did, that's also called learning. That's also called learning Torah. And Rabbi Nezal said that everything that I need to do, whenever there's something that I know I need to do, I want very, very much to do it and to finish it immediately. I want to finish it. I want to get it done right away and not to procrastinate, not to delay. And Rabbi Nezal said, if I would have wanted, if it were possible to finish writing the whole Sefer in one day, I would have wanted to do it very much. But it wasn't. It wasn't possible. 
And Rav Zal adds here again that regarding this topic, there were many discussions which we need to know about in a very big way. How Rav Zal was had tremendous zrizus in accomplishing things. Whatever he needed to do, it was always now. Never, never, delaying, never delaying, even even if it wasn't a mitzvah. Something that had to get done, not, not later and not tomorrow. Now, if, the, if I can do it now, I want to do it now, so that it shouldn't have to be on my mind. I don't want to have anything on my mind that I don't I want my mind to be free to be thinking about Hashem, to be thinking about Kedusha. And also, because very often I know if I don't take care of something now, sometimes it won't get done, period. And Rav Nassar writes again because he didn't want to have things on his mind that would block him, that would take away in any way from his dveikus to Hashem, from his connection to Hashem. Therefore, even when it came to things of Gashmias that were not related to a mitzvah, if it was something that had to be done, then then now. There's no better time than now, immediately. In order that his mind should be free afterwards for the Avodah Hashem that he wanted. However, if he saw that for whatever reason can't do it now, even though it's something that, that's important and needs to get done, he would, he would never be bothered, get upset in any way about it, just if, if I'm able to do it tomorrow or whenever it is, I'll do it then. And if not, not. Nothing was, nothing had to be. It has to be this way. Never torud or mavulvul in any way from anything. And Rabbi Nelson Zal says it's impossible to describe this in writing, you know, to put this in writing. The next item, the final item on this, this subject... Rav said that Rav told me <coughs> when, when Rav wanted to get me started on really being diligent and learning, Rav gave me a tremendous large quantity to learn every day. And, and at the same time, he told me that I must spend time interacting with people, talking to people about discussions, regular discussions, in order to, to give my mind a rest from intense learning and in order to broaden my consciousness. And even though there wasn't enough time in the day to finish what Rabbein Azal gave me, the required amount that he wanted me to learn, he said, still, I must allow some time in the day for talking to people. And Rabbein Azal is, we find that in Likut Imran, chapter 35, Rabbein Azal points out there that everybody knows that a person needs sleep. You have to give the mind time to rest and rejuvenate to, to start a new day, that kind of thing. Rabbein Azal says there that there are different forms of sleep. One form of sleep is when a person engages in regular conversation with another person. A person who's used to learning with intensity, learning and davening with high intensity, when that person engages other people in a conversation, that's sleep to them. That's resting their brain. That's taking it off to high intensity to ref- allow the brain to refresh itself, to go back again to the higher intensity.
Rav Nassau writes, and afterwards Rav Nassau told me that even while learning itself, there are times that a person has to take a break to let his mind relax for a short period of time, but on, on condition that he doesn't allow his mind to go out of bounds, to think bad thoughts or sinful thoughts, chas v'shalom. And Rav Nassau writes that at the time of this discussion, Rabbein Zal wanted me to finish all four Shulchan Aruchs in one year. Orechaim, Yoredea, Ebenezer, Chosh Mishpat. We're talking about 1,700 chapters of Shulchan Aruch. Major volumes. <clears throat> and Rabbein Zal said that I, I need to do five blad a day of Shulchan Aruch, which isn't an easy learning. Some of these simonim are, are very complex. And Rav Nassar says, I did it for half a year. I was able to keep it up. <clears throat> and during that half year, I finished the whole Orachayim with the Mogan Avram and the Taz and Yoridea, almost completing the entire Yoridea also. But then afterwards, the obstacles came up. There were all kinds of obstacles. And I was not able to keep up that pace at all. I couldn't do it. And then Rabbi Nezal told me to start learning Kabbalah, the writings of Yarizal, Zohar Kodesh, the writings of Yarizal. <coughs> and Rabbi Nezal writes that to finish the Shulchan Aruch, it took me a few years afterwards to, to make the Siyam on Shulchan Aruch that I had started. And Rabbi Nezal writes, it bothered me a lot. I had tremendous tsar from this. And I was once talking to Rabbi Nezal about this, and he consoled me in a big way. And Rabbi Nezal said, this, these feelings are only by us. We're the only ones who have this need, who have this realization to know that we have to learn a lot. We have to cover a lot and we have to move quickly. By people, three or four years can go by sometimes and they're, they're not being productive. They're hardly being productive. They're not producing anything at all. And, and Rabbi Nezal writes, I understood that Rabbi Nezal wanted me to realize this that you can't force an issue sometimes whatsoever. Even though you want to finish something, you want to make sure to finish something at a certain time, still, if a person sees that it's not possible and there's all kinds of obstacles in the way, the person cannot allow themselves to get upset, nervous, but rather to, to slowly do what they can do and to yearn, to yearn that Hashem should help me to be able to finish, to be able to complete what I need to complete. And Rav Nassar writes, even though I wrote several times in the last few paragraphs that it's impossible to describe what I, what I heard here, still I, I felt it important to write a little bit because a person who's, who wants the MS will be able to understand from what we've learned here, will be able to understand advice and, and encouragement as to how to serve Hashem properly. On one hand, to have zrizus, to be quick, and whatever I can do now, it's now, it's not later, it's not tomorrow, it's all about now. And at the same time, not to force, not to try to force something when I see that I can't do it now, no anger, and not to try to force the issue when I see that it's really not the right time. And certainly not to allow myself to get upset, nervous, but rather to be patient and wait until Hashem will have Rachmanus and allow me to do what I need to do. And Rav Moshana writes 
I thank Hashem very much for his incredible kindness that these words helped me a lot. And he says, and I'm still hoping for Hashem's Yeshua. I'm still hoping that Hashem is going to help me accomplish what I need to accomplish. And he closes with the words, Hashem Yigmar Vaadi. Hashem will complete whatever I need to finish. Baruch Hashem. Any questions, please? Question in the chat, can we understand what was so difficult for Abenazal about dictating the Sefer Amidos? He wasn't yet sick then. The answer is sitting for hours at a session, four or five hours, dictating something and, and giving it over and, and who knows what else was going on at the time. And Rabbeinazal, we're talking about a person who, who ate very little, slept very little, all kinds of things. Whatever he needed to do took, took serious effort. And again, to some degree, we, we don't know. But if Rav Nassenzal writes that he saw that Rav Nassenzal strained himself to do this, we know that it's definitely... Here again, we're talking about Rav Nassenzal, who was up for Chatzois every night, and Vasikin and all kinds of avoidus, sometimes several few hours a day of hispoididus, and minimal eating, minimal sleeping. If Rav Nassenzal says that he... he Rabbeinazal didn't have it easy, we can trust him on that for sure. Anyone else, please? All right, we finished, we completed this section. The next section is going to be about the incredible importance of Hispoididus. In Yitzhashem, this week, Thursday night, is Rabnosanzal's yard site. Thursday night, Friday, is Asura Beteves, the only fast that comes out on a Friday of the four fasts, the, 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 the Rabbonon. Even Yom Kippur, I believe, can ne- does, never comes out on a Friday. The only fast that it comes out on a Friday, and it's the yard site of Rav Nosazal. In most of the Breslov shuls, there'll be a Suda in the evening. There'll be Devrei Torah. Usually they have a book fair selling the Sfarim at cross price to, to spread the Sfarim. We should be zoichet to a week of Geula and Yeshua for all of us, Mitzvah